Hello, and welcome back to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am, as always, Chris Yeh, and we are restarting a series that has long been dormant, which is the recaps of the latest episodes of Mental Samurai. As you may recall, I was one of the four Mental Samurai on season one of this Fox game show hosted by Rob Lowe. I won $100,000 on national television and came up one question short of winning an additional $250,000 in the season-ending tournament. So it's been a long time. There's been a global pandemic in between, but Mental Samurai has finally returned. And so I'm going to recap the debut episode of Mental Samurai Season 2, which aired May 25th, 2021. Now, a couple of things are relevant about Mental Samurai. Season 2 is very different from Season 1 for a variety of reasons. They changed up the format, but the show was also filmed, believe it or not, in Portugal. So because of the exigencies of the pandemic, the production company was unable to film in Los Angeles, as was the original plan. And they actually ended up flying the contestants to Portugal to film out there. Now, this is a remarkable thing, but I guess it boils down to it's actually cheaper to fly all your contestants to a foreign country than it is to move Ava, the $4 million robot, and to build a set. So that's why there will be a few changes that I'll note as we go through this recap of the episode. But they also changed the format. I think they wanted to fine-tune it. They thought there were ways they could build more drama. And let's discuss what those changes are and see whether or not we think they'll be correct. The first thing is that Mental Samurai has been reformatted to be a bit more like Jeopardy. Now, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is the contestants are now competing against each other. In each episode, there are six competitors, and all of them are going to go through a run on Ava, everybody's favorite robot chair. And in that run, they're going to try to answer as many questions correctly as they can. They have five minutes to answer up to 10 questions correctly. The instant they get a question wrong, their run is over. For every question they answer correctly, they get $500, and they get to keep that $500 even if they're not the winner of the night. Now, after the first person goes, that person then sits in the chair as the reigning samurai, and they're in a chair in the background watching the next contestant go through their run. And each subsequent contestant goes through their run and tries to beat the reigning samurai's score, either by answering more questions correctly or by answering the same number of questions correctly, but in less time. If you overthrow the reigning samurai, you then take the reigning samurai's place in that chair and become the new reigning samurai. Whoever is the reigning samurai at the end of the night, after six contestants is gone, goes on to the circle of samurai. And unlike season one, where the circle of samurai consisted of just four questions, in season two, the set circle of samurai has a full 10 questions, and you have four minutes in which you can answer those 10 questions. For each question you answer correctly, you get an additional $2,500. So five times the amount you're getting per correct question in the original run. And if you get all 10 of the questions correct in less than four minutes, that figure will be quadrupled to a total of $100,000. So the total amount of money you can win in a single day is $10,000 in your original run by getting 10 questions correctly and getting the $5,000 double to 10000 
and then 100,000 in the circle of samurai by getting $25,000 worth of questions correctly and getting it quadrupled to 100,000 for a total of $110,000 per day. Now there's one other final very important wrinkle. Whoever is the reigning samurai at the end of the day comes back and competes again the next day. And so this allows you to, like a Jeopardy contestant, have a multi-day run. So who knows what will happen? Will we see someone go on a Ken Jennings-like run where they run the table for the entire season? And again, if this season ends up being 10 episodes, that's a theoretical maximum set of winnings of $1.1 million for one particularly dominant contestant. So we'll have to see how this goes. Anyways, hopefully those changes make the show even more exciting for the audience. And with that, let's go ahead and dive into the season premiere, episode one. The first competitor was Anthony Trucks from Walnut Creek. Anthony's an interesting fellow. He actually was a part of the Pittsburgh Steelers for a bit before he was injured. He never actually got into a regulation game in the NFL. And after his injuries, he then turned around and became a motivational speaker and is actually available for speaking. You can go find him at anthonytrucks.com where he continues to do uh, his inspirational speaking and other businesses today. He has this fascinating backstory, as is often the case with these, uh, with these competitors, where he was growing up in foster care and then adopted by a family very much like the blind side. He credits his white mother for helping to raise him to be the kind of fellow that he is. And he had a good run out of the gate. He was able to go pretty quickly. He was very entertaining, as you would expect from an inspirational speaker. And he answered seven of the questions correctly for $3,500. However, he lost on a question of sequence when he was asked to put certain foods in order of most to least perishable, or rather least to most perishable. And he, the three things were sushi, bread, and pickles. And he put pickles as more perishable than bread. Now, of course, that's incorrect. But the other thing is, and this is one of those tricky ones in the sequence, the wording was counterintuitive. You would expect to go from least, uh, from most perishable to least perishable, but it actually worked the other way. So the correct answer would have been pickles, bread, sushi. I might have missed that one because again, it's a tricky one, but I did get all the other questions correct. I would have been able to make it to that stage, barring being distracted by Ava, of course. The second competitor that took the stage once Anthony was in the chair as reigning samurai was Michelle Joy Nixon, a teacher from Jacksonville, Florida. Again, phenomenal backstory, began helping the homeless, set up her own nonprofit, and her profession today is as a middle school teacher for special needs kids. She was also a former sports reporter, someone who's very, very uh, comfortable on camera. She did seem a bit nervous, which I'm surprised by, by someone who has so much experience on stage. But she did have a lot of quips and she went back and forth bantering with Anthony. I thought that was pretty cute. Now, Michelle went through what is a mental samurai trademark, which is the contestant who comes in and talks big and then blows it on the very first question, on a mind-bogglingly easy question. And the question was very simple. In Star Wars, true or false, Princess Leia is married to Prince Charles. Now, to get this one wrong, you have to really have zero knowledge of pop culture, 
Star Wars is the most popular form of IP there is. Everyone knows who Princess Leia is, except for Michelle Joy Nixon. And even if you don't know Star Wars, you know Prince Charles, member of the British royal family, formerly married to Diana, now married to Camilla Parker Bowles, the father of William and Harry and all this other stuff. So you would have to be completely blind to both Star Wars and blind to this British royal family stuff to get this question wrong. And she got it wrong. Boom, zero questions correct. Next up, contestant number three was Dave Lim, an entrepreneur from Southern California. Another incredible backstory. They really must have done a good job of picking these people out. I probably would not have made it on the air in this season. These backstories are so good. Dave had a single mom who came here from, I believe, Vietnam, did not speak any English, had to work all sorts of crazy jobs, like being a security guard at night, and studied hard and eventually became a judge. So obviously Dave's mom, just an incredible figure. Dave had a very good run. He did something that is very important, something tripped a lot of people up. When you get to gridlock, which is the game where you have a bunch of letters, basically it's looking for hidden letters in a matrix, uh, hidden words in a matrix of letters. He took his time. He understood that the dynamics of the game are Yes, you would like to finish quickly, but if you get past the reigning samurai, that's still good. And so it's better to take your time and get it correct than to rush and get it wrong. And so he took his time with gridlock. At first, he didn't see the words, but he kept there. He kept talking it out, kept waiting, and eventually he got it right. But he got tripped up by something that I always think is very hard, which is the memory test. So there was a memory test that he got wrong. I'm happy to say I did get it right, thanks to all the memory training that I received from Ron and Luis from my season. And it's Ron White and Luis Angel who are both memory champions. And my memory is so improved. I would be so much better on Mental Samurai than I was in my season, thanks to the lessons I've learned from fellow competitors. So Dave was able to get through five questions, won $2,500, but came up short. Now, Contestant number four was Erin McLean, and she was a game show pro. They undersold this because they did not want to say this on air and give publicity to other people, other properties, but she is a Jeopardy! College champion. She won $100,000 on the Jeopardy! College tournament. That is a very premier game show prize, and it was incredible. What's interesting to me is they really made a big deal about her being a game show pro. That was not at all emphasized in season one. Many of the competitors in season one, the, the iconic competitors who did so well, had been on game shows before. I was one of the few who had not. But Ryan Jones, for example, had been on both The Price is Right and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Heather Hurley had been on The Chase and a few other things. I think she was on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And so most people had this kind of experience, a lot of the top competitors. But they made a big deal of it when Aaron went. And she showed the fact that she was a pro. She was going fast. She was not wasting any time. She was also taking the time to banter with Anthony between questions. So doing a great job of that. But she got tripped up by gridlock. And we'll talk about gridlock. Gridlock is an interesting one, right? The big issue is that people have two mistakes that they make and Aaron made both of them. Mistake number one is with gridlock, they only look 
right to left. They only look left to right, so they're only reading horizontally. They don't bother to read vertically from top to bottom, and both of those are valid. And if you think about it, that's true for all of these crosswords and all these other things. I don't know why it happens, but people don't look vertically when they're on the spot. The second mistake she made is she used the wrong strategy. Now, the big problem is what you should do is when you look at gridlock, you should look from left to right and from top to bottom and don't have a preconception of what words you're looking for. Just look for words to pop out. The way the puzzle is written, they don't put a bunch of fake words to, 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 to scare you. They only put the answers in. And so if you just look for actual words, you'll probably win. In the case of Erin, what she did was she was thinking of words that would fit the puzzle and then looking for those words instead of just scanning the letters and letting the gestalt of the letters form into words in her mind. So unfortunately, Erin went out. She fell short. Six questions, $3,000, but did not make it through. Contestant number five was Gleb Gofin. Now, Gleb is a man after my own heart. He is UCLA class of 1994, which means he was in Southern California around the time that I was growing up. Uh, he is an older contestant like me, so probably pushing 50, I would guess. And as I mentioned back in season one, being older is not a huge advantage. In fact, it's often a disadvantage because there's so many modern pop cultural questions that you might struggle with. Gleb is an impressive figure in addition to having a degree in biology from UCLA and being a longtime executive in various companies in Southern California. He's also a Muay Thai master and somebody who really uh, understands combat with swords and knives. So just an incredible figure. And another great backstory, born in the Ukraine, his parents fled the Ukraine to America for the land of opportunity. They had nothing. And again, here he is, a guy who's clawed his way up, went to UCLA Fantastic School, had a very successful career so far. Gleb, I thought, had done something interesting, which is I think that he had prepared catchphrases in advance. Now, this is something that you can do if you really think about it. There were two catchphrases I remember he used. The first was right as we were getting started. He used the catchphrase, let's get ready to tumble. Obviously, a play on Michael Buffer's, let's get ready to rumble. And then at another point in time, he told Rob Lowe, thank you, number two, a reference to his famous role as the young number two in the Austin Powers movies. I thought this was pretty clever. Now, I'm not sure those were like grade A catchphrases, but I give him a lot of points for making the effort. And he had a great approach to the game. He was very calm, very measured. He talked everything out because he knew the most important thing was to get the questions right. And this probably ties in with his martial arts training. Martial arts is very much about presence, very much about staying calm. And he just tore through the course. Uh, he, on gridlock, was very fast and accurate, followed the right strategy, you know, went le left to right, top to bottom, did not try to look for words, instead just scanned, got that right away. He did have one guess. So there was one guess where he had to put a sequence in terms of Kevin Bacon, John Hamm, and Alison Brie, in terms of birth order, who was born first, or who was oldest, and who was the youngest. And he just guessed. And this is a classic one, right? These trivia competitors, these brilliant people, they don't know popular culture nearly as well, but he was able to talk it out. He knew Kevin Bacon was the oldest. He knew John Hamm was younger than Kevin Bacon. He just wasn't sure about Alison Brie, and he guessed. 
And of course, this is one of those funny things that people who write these game shows try to do. If you think about the sequence, it's bacon, ham, and brie. So there's a food theme there. I thought that was pretty funny. But Gleb got all 10 questions correct, the first perfect run, and he kicked Anthony out of the chair. And that brought up the final contestant, Deborah Edwards. Deborah is a fashion designer and entrepreneur. She was the oldest contestant coming in at the age of 57. And she came in, we're really built up, we're wondering how she's gonna do. And again, Mental Samurai Trademark failed on the very first question. It's one of those ones where the person just can't get it. It's a word uh, image thing where you had two images. One was of a gold five-pointed star. The other was of $2 bills. And I looked at that and I started going down the same path that she did. It's like, okay, star, dollar, is that some sort of dollar store thing? Is it dollar general, dollar tree? What's going on here? But I said, no, there's no way to go there. Let's see, we have a star and we have $2 and you can call dollars bucks, Starbucks. So I got it without too much trouble, but Deborah was unable to do that. And you could see, it was fascinating, because of the way the dynamic of the game works, as you know, Gleb needed someone to have a perfect run and also beat him on time. So well before she gave the wrong answer, Gleb already knew that he had won. And you could see the look of satisfaction on his face. He's like, she'll never catch me now. I'm all the way through. That's awesome. And in fact, Deborah finally guessed Dollar Tree and was so mortified when she realized it was Starbucks. And with that, we go to the circle of samurai and Gleb had a chance to go for the $100,000 he went through, was doing a good job of talking it out and lost on this very simple question. It just happens. You just find one chink in the armor and boom, the person goes down. In this case, it was a question, which of these professions has to go to medical school, optometrist or ophthalmologist? Now, the answer, of course, is ophthalmologist because an optometrist is measuring your vision. An ophthalmologist is looking at eye health and that's what a doctor does. They need an MD for that. But... He, Gleb, guessed wrong. He was pretty certain he was optometrist. He was just wrong on that. But he had gotten eight of the questions correct out of the 10. So that's another $20,000. That plus the $10,000 he won before got him $30,000 for the day. And he will be coming back on episode two. So I'll be recapping episode two when it comes out next week. Overall, I think I like the new format. It adds more interaction between the contestants. I think that was something that was smart to add a bit of additional drama. I do feel like the questions were a little easier. I pretty much got every single question right. I know Dr. Ken on Facebook also said they had gotten every question right. He didn't have a tough question like the chain smokers question he faced before. So it may be that they, by adjusting things around and making the questions a little bit easier and increasing the drama between the contestants, they think they have a winner on their hands. And some of this may be learnings from other countries, by the way, because remember, Mental Samurai is being produced for audiences in countries around the world. So exciting debut episode for season two. And I hope to see you guys coming back again for future episodes. Uh, I hope to be joined by some of my fellow Season 1 competitors. I hope to reach out to some of the Season 2 competitors and get them on for interviews. So with that, this is Chris Yeh, your Season 1 Mental Samurai, signing off. I hope that you'll tune in again for more information about Mental Samurai Season 2 in the near future. Thank you.